you know, when you start out in the industry, all the people that are you are assistants with also move up as you move up. As you guys are going through your careers together, you'll be able to call them. They'll be executives at studios and agents and managers. And, you know, you kind of have this team that you came up with and it's true. And when you get to a certain point and this starts to happen, it's, it's kind of fun, you know, because um, you can call for advice or it's just everybody kind of helps each other. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Mentors on the Mic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Miller, a New York City native actress with credits in TV, film, commercials, and off-Broadway. And every week, I bring you an incredible mentor in entertainment, focusing on how they started and how they moved up to where they are today. Thanks for listening, and let the episode begin. All right. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to introduce you to Jill Hoppenheim. Love the name. Jill is a producer. She is a creative director. She is a content strategist. She is a marketing and brand expert, and she is the owner of Bag Street Productions, which was founded in 2010. It's an award-winning creative content agency, okay? They specialize in creating content and scripted TV film projects. It's a really, really awesome job, and it's, you know, it's incredible because they oversee projects a lot from beginning to end, so they often work with, you know, television shows, for example, like Glow, which we talk about throughout and, you know, from the beginning, we'll be there to get, you know, behind the scenes stuff and create content that they can then put out for marketing purposes. She explains all about it, but it really is an incredible journey. And I really loved getting to know her and how she started. You know, she did a lot of production coordinator type stuff, worked her way up to producer and then opened her own company. And without further ado, here's Jill Hoppenheim. Welcome, Jill. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to interview you because I, you know, I mean, obviously, when we first met, you know, you were so easy to talk to and so willing to talk about so many things. And and then I obviously researched you later and was impressed and just like, you know, you were always so great about me, you know, speaking to you about the business and calling you. And so I really appreciate you being able to do this for other people and my listeners and stuff. So thank you for doing this. It's my pleasure. I think it's, you know, this is a tough industry. And I think as much information as everyone could pass along, the easier it is, you know, there's always I think there's always a nugget in everyone's stories. I mean, even today, like I'm, I'm always listening to people's, you know, coming up stories and um, how they navigate through. Yeah, I completely agree. I, that's like a passion of mine. I'm just naturally really curious about how, you know, especially like you said, this industry, which is crazy and there's no linear path, right? Everyone has these crazy zigzag of journeys. So I, I love listening to stories like yours. So what's, what was your first role in the entertainment industry? So my first job in the entertainment industry actually was in Los Angeles. I moved from Montreal, Canada out here, and I had just 
student visa that was only active for a few more months. And I just oh. sort of had to get a job in the industry that I had studied, which was film. And I ended up going for a coffee with a friend of a friend from Montreal. And at the time I, you know, I had was really focused on documentary and I loved documentary and and you got your master's in documentaries, right? Yeah, in in documentary and production as well. And I sort of like, you know, we went for lunch and I was like, does that exist here? Because at the time, you know, <laughs> I thought maybe it was only in New York. Like I didn't really know what was going on in in LA except for maybe reality TV. And he said, uh, you know, I'm actually working for this company. They do something called docutainment. So you know, why don't you send me your resume and I'll pass it along. And, you know, if they need anything and I was like, okay, sure. And I was like, what's docutainment? Yeah. Right. He explained, you know, and at the time it was a little more focused on documentary, but it was, it was part of the home entertainment side of, of the industry, which Mm -hmm. is where they would really do these, these elaborate behind the scenes documentaries about the making of the movie or the making of, the film or the real life story it was based on or, you know, and, and they were much longer. And now everything is like a little bit more condensed to like five to six minutes. But then we were doing yeah. like 45 minute, you know, long documentaries, Wow, which was really amazing. And I was like, okay, that sounds so interesting. And so, you know, two weeks later, he actually called and he said, listen, they're actually, the owner of the company is looking for an assistant and you would also be assisting seven producers that work there. Oh my God. I know, (laughs) it's crazy. You know, like, would you be interested? And I was like, yes, for sure. And so I went in for an interview and I I ended up getting that job. It was a very difficult job. Uh, Yeah, it was like eight producers. (laughs) There was a lot going on at the time. The company was really busy when I started out. They were working on all kinds of things, you know, from like the show 24, which was really big at the time. Like that when 24 launched, it kind of was the first of that kind, you know, to be so big. And this was really before social media, kind of, you know. Yeah. It was like, you know, launched, I think, right after... 9-11. 9-11. This was wow, like a yeah. few years into the show. So they were working on all different kinds of shows and Family Guy and a bunch of those. What ended up happening is, is, I mean, it was a really hard job. I think I'm so grateful for the hours that I put in there because, you know, if you can make it through something like that, working for so many people and so many hours and just trying to like learn everything that you possibly can... I feel like so many, so much of that skill set I used later on in, you know, my career, it was really valuable to me. The other part about that job, which was so incredible, is I eventually moved up um, and became a producer at that company and really had an opportunity now to like work on all these shows and films. And I was doing documentaries on every division, like, you know, I I would be following either the writers or the Mm -hmm. art department or the actors or, and so it was kind of like this podcast in a way, because (laughs) I got to ask them like all the questions that I was curious about, like, how does it work? Like, when do you, you know, when do you come up with this idea? You know, how much input does the studio have? How much input does... These are all my questions I'm going to have for you, by the way. So. 
And so that became like an incredible foundation and also turned me on to so many other kinds of media. So I became so, you know, I was like learning about animation and I was learning about, you know, feature filmmaking and, you know, everything from like horror to thriller to drama to rom-coms. And so it was kind of amazing. I was exposed to all of these things. And then I felt like, oh, you know what? I really actually want to be on the scripted side of things. So that's um, eventually the direction that I ended up heading into. So for that particular position, did you, it was, because you said there were like, some of them was long form, you know, 45 minute documentaries of a particular show. Were there ever ones that were just smaller bite-sized contents or five minute, 10 minute, or were they all more 45-ish? When I first started, it was, I would say the shortest piece was like, you know, eight to 10 minutes. Okay. And now, you know, in the marketing space for that, you know, we're doing like one minute Instagram, 15 seconds, like tell a story in 15 seconds. Right. So it has really evolved a lot, which has been really interesting. Um, Sort of the TikTok nation, I guess. It's a whole thing. It's a whole new thing we're working on. Yes. I think in terms of the marketing space, I mean, home entertainment has shifted a little bit. They still have, you know, some long form pieces, but we're working more in digital space. Right. And that content specifically, was it mostly like behind the scenes featurettes and, you know, interviews with such and such for like the DVD or like what was what was that content utilized for? Or was it all over trailers, teasers? Well, at the beginning, uh, in my first job, it really was mostly for home entertainment. Later on, as I, you know, after I left there, I started my own production company and we did a lot of this content. And so it, you know, we started creating content, not only for home entertainment, but for marketing. Um, So it would go everywhere. There was all different kinds of pieces. So it'd be any, you know, for iTunes and Instagram and entertainment tonight and um, television specials, all kinds of things that would extend from the show, even like web series, like scripted web series that would extend from the show. A storyline from the show. If, you know, the character Michelle goes home to see her family for the weekend, but you don't see it in the show, we might get in a web series. So what started happening is people really wanted more and more and more content. It wasn't enough just to sort of watch the show. And so that's how that sort of evolved. Yeah. And you were there for a few years. And so what was the next step after that? Like what at some point where you're like, this is enough. What, what's my next goal? Where, where can I grow from this? Because you obviously kept producing, but. I did. Yeah. Okay. So I was there for about five years and then I went to another company that did something sort of similar, but more on the marketing side. I was only there for a short period. And then I ended up getting a call from former clients, you know, asking me to take on some of their titles. Interesting. And so I just thought, you know what, this is a great opportunity to just sort of go out on my own. I knew at this point that I also wanted to produce scripted television and film. I really had a background in marketing. And so this was sort of a way to be able to pay the bills and 
you know, work while I was developing other content because that that is, you know, you kind of need like a day job in the industry. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So after that, then, yeah, I ended up opening the company called Bag Street Productions, B-A-G-G. It was named after a street in Montreal that my grandparents, you know, lived on. Um, where a lot of immigrants, when they came to Montreal, lived in that area. Um, There's a great picture on your website with you on that street. You know, now it's, you know, that street is part of a district called the Mile End District, and a lot of filmmakers now live there. Wow. Yeah, so it became kind of like a Soho area, you know, Montreal. So... Yeah. So I had the name. And so I just opened the company and I just kind of thought I would do these few shows and then I would move into, you know, film and television and scripted. And, but what ended up happening was, is we got really busy and the company just took off. We were growing and it it was really fun and we were evolving and it kind of was just focused on that. Yeah. And then eventually that is what sort of led me into scripted. Right. So before we go into the scripted part, how was, can you walk us through a little bit about the first couple of years of creating the company? Because I imagine, you know, you're, you're dealing with all the things people deal with, with creating a business, you know, the legalities of things and taxes mm-hmm. and making sure all of that is, you know, situated and on point. But then in addition, you're, you're, you're taking in all this all these clients, right? You have all these jobs now. So you probably have to grow your team, make sure you have people who know what they're doing, but also that you can trust. So how was that sort of growing rapidly? Like, how was that process? That was, it was definitely like having a newborn. You really couldn't take your eyes off of it. It was, it was growing quickly and we didn't have the infrastructure built out yet. You know, we didn't have all of our systems in place and every, you know, we also had a post department. So we were editing all of that stuff. So it was like building out the edit bays. It was like an in-house post-production department. It was a lot. It was a lot. But yes, there was, there's a lot of, I mean, from right off the bat, you know, you're dealing with sometimes unreleased materials. So you have, there are departments at the studios that have to come out and check for security reasons that everything is set up in a certain way. And it's very specific and it's very scary. And you have to pass these tests. What kind of tests? It's like how all the computers are set up, how information is coming in and out. Like, what are your protocols, you know, when you get things, where's the vault? How is the vault you know, we had a vault where we had to keep all of our masters, uh, studio masters and unreleased, you know, material. And that's very specific. And you need like alarms and wow. Yeah. And cameras. And sometimes it could be very expensive. Were you just figuring it out as you go? Like, I mean, you had to create that for yourself. Yes. We were figuring it out as we went. And, you know, we were really lucky. I think a lot of these people, I mean, they they want to help you, you know, they want to help you succeed. So they come and they do an evaluation and then you get this sort of test back and it's like you failed like 60% of it. And it's like, you don't even understand like what you failed, you That's know, because so it's like funny. certain software things that you need yeah. or whatever, but you know, they give you an opportunity to then like they explain to you what you need and they help you sort of get it together. 
That's so interesting. No, my, my boyfriend's a real estate developer and, and he'll say it the same way. Like they'll come in and they'll have an inspection and it's required inspection from the state, but you know you're going to fail it. But the idea is you get the list of all the things you need to work on so that then the next time you pass. And I'm like, but isn't that a crazy, like you're paying for, can't they just tell you? Why does it have to be a pass or fail? So, but I guess it's the way these things are. It's very, very serious. And, you know, and we took it very seriously yeah. because it's scary to have unreleased masters. So you want to make sure that yeah. you do everything right because you don't want to be the company where there's a breach. Right. And there's insurance issues with that, I'm sure. I mean, we really had to build us like, you know, infrastructure in every possible from security right. to accounting and billing and all of that. Yeah. Out, and then, you know, um, post-production. And, you know, at the beginning, we didn't have people in all of these positions. Yeah. How'd you figure that out? Like, how do you, how do you hire those people as they come? Like who was your first hire essentially, or did you build it with someone specific? Actually, our first hire was our lead editor who is still with us today. He's yeah. And I actually worked with him at the very first company. Wow. We met there we kind of, you know, when this started, he was actually working from home. He had an edit day at home. and Which is good now. I mean, exactly. We've come full circle. Right. And it was like, we were, I was running over with drives and running, like, it was so crazy. I mean, when that company started, it was just like me in like a room with a laptop. And I was like, is this crazy? Like, I can't even believe what we're doing. Right. I just left a job. I have the promise of these three shows to do, you know, a bunch of... Do you remember what the shows were? They were all, yeah, Seth MacFarlane's shows. So Family Guy, American Dad, and The Cleveland Show. Yes. After that. So yeah, they, they were... I started this company. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, but like it didn't have furniture. It didn't have any, so it was like everything had to, you know, happen, but, you know, eventually over time, you know, systems got into place and things became more streamlined. Yeah. We were able to like, you know, bring on support staff and how big is the company now? Like approximately, like in terms of, I mean, I know there's multiple departments, right? As you said, so. Multiple departments. So it's right. Well, right now we're. I'll ask like what a year ago (laughs) when it's a little different. So we were about 10. uh, Yeah. Just very peak. And then everybody else is freelance. Yes. Which happens. I mean, a lot with, with, I think production companies that it's just we hire we have certain people in house and we have freelance people coming in all the time and working with us that you trust. So we yeah, depending on the project like we'll build a team out for that project. Excellent. Awesome. So some questions I have for you about the work that you do. Well well let's start with cuz I have an idea, but let's start with what what work do you do now? Like what is the content that you put out? You you kind of said, you know, obviously now with TikTok and Instagram, but what exactly are we are we putting together featurettes and behind the scenes stuff still? Is it trailers? Is it all of the above? You know, what it's is the content? all of the above? So yeah. I think what's happened is you know, marketing has now sort of become everything. It's like so many different categories fall under this marketing and digital arm. 
So whereas it used to be a little more separated where you would have like just an EPK and the trailer and like one or two featurettes, it's like now includes digital and it, it just, there's so many ways to get to audiences and there's so much content so um, out there. So it's a little bit more challenging to find your audience, you know, right. the noise. So um, I would say at the moment, um, the company is, you know, one half of the company deals with a lot of marketing and entertainment marketing, but not only entertainment marketing, we also do like branded content and I would say content. Yeah. Most, you know, branded content and marketing content. And then the other half now is, is, is moving into original content. Which is amazing, right? I mean, you have both, you're doing both. So I guess we have a really good idea, I think, from what you explained of the um, the first form of content. So let's go into scripted and original content. How's that going? You know, I know you can't work, you talk about like the, the stuff you're working on now, obviously, but can you give us an idea of the stuff that you've done or the idea of what we're, you know, working on right now, something like that? So, yeah, so this division is, is pretty, is fairly new. It's like a few years old and we have, you know, we've sold a few projects, studio projects, which haven't been released yet. Also because, um, I mean, that really stalls a lot of stuff right now. We're hoping they're going to fill, you know, they're going to shoot in, um, 2021 and, um, be released, you know, 2021 or 2022, hopefully, can you let us know if it's like, and you, it might not be, you might not be able to let us know anything, but network or streaming or, you know, some sort of We're at streaming services well, um, yeah, at the moment. And then we have a couple things in development that are in the process of being sold. Got it. And so this is actually like, you know, it's a whole other world. It's definitely, I would say scripted is harder in certain, you know, development a little bit harder in a sense, like on the marketing side, studios come to us when the project's already going. Right. So it's just like, Hey, we have this project. We need help. Do you want to pitch for it? It's like, you know, that's how it happens. And on yeah. this side, it's like, Hey, we have a project. Right. Are you guys interested in it? <laughs> Are these projects things that you come up with? Or do people pitch you them? And then you go, yeah, I'll take this and, and we'll find a place for it. Is it both? You know, it's a little bit of both. One of the first projects came from a script that I had read. Yeah. And then, you know, the last two um, were from books that I had optioned. Love. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I don't know if we necessarily have like a specific, they're all actually happened to be in YA. No, not all of them, but like the ones that are active right now happen to be in YA, but there are other projects that we are working on that are not in YA. But I think that like gravitate towards transformational content and I love stories about the underdog, no matter what they are, if it, even if it's like a romantic comedy. I just I always love stories about the underdog winning in a way. Yeah, I think you know, material comes from so many different sources. I mean, yeah. it can come from articles, it could come from books, it could come from, you know, ideas from a television show, you know, like yeah. or conversation you have. Absolutely. But I would say if you're starting out, it is good to have some kind of IP. 
Yeah. If you don't have a script, then it is really good to have something, a book, something that, you know, a studio can look at and say like, oh, okay, this has been out in the world. It has had this kind of traction. How do people pitch to you ever? And and do you have any advice for people about pitching your content? Or is it, I mean, it, it, that's a hard question I know, but just for your personal, you know, it's subjective a lot of the time. Personal... I think like I, I really like to see visuals. Mm. I have found that it has actually helped me a lot in my pitches Mm. because you really only have a few seconds to sort of explain this whole entire story. Yeah. I find that like, if you have a deck with a lot of visuals, it really just gives people a vibe. Yeah. You know, because I think a lot of people that work in this industry are visual people, like executives, everyone. And and they can get a sense of like what it is exactly if they see like photos or graphics. Or even like a sizzle video, like a video of just a mock-up of what the vibe would be like. I just saw for an audition recently I submitted to... They provided some sort of, you know, a sizzle where I don't even think those are the actors they're going to end up using because they're they're being cast. But you really got the vibe of it right away. And so I was like, okay, I I hear, you know, this is like a good way of even pitching actors to to get an idea of what the role is going to be like. Yes, yes, I, I agree. It definitely gives you a sense of something, you know, because... I I just find like sometimes you can explain like a story and you don't, it could be any time period. Like you don't even know what it is, but then if you're showing photos that are kind of like have an edgier vibe to it or a darker vibe to it versus, you know, photos that are like bright and it's more polished or glossy right away, you know, that they will understand like what category it falls into for them. Yeah. Love it. That's great advice. Going back to the content that you also create when when studios work with you or networks work with you. So when you get approached by, let's say, Netflix, I took one thing off of your website. There were many things people should go to the website, which we'll talk about and put in the show notes. But like The Old Guard by Charlize Theron, with Charlize Theron, right? So something, a project like that, you did the mar- you did some marketing for. So how do you what are those initial meetings like, you know, so what are, how do you, cause how do you take something from beginning to completion? Like how do, how do those brainstorming sessions go? So the executive reached out to us. Um, it was an executive that had worked at another studio previously that I had worked with there. And she was actually looking for, you know, a female because the movie was so was, you know, sort of like, badass female empowerment. She was really looking for a female perspective. And so she reached out for that purpose. You know, they had a lot of, um, it was a graphic novel and they had scripts and they had that kind of stuff. And so they sent it over to us to read. And usually I think what would happen, I mean, and it could happen either way. Like I, I could have heard about it and like, you know, call, you know, emails and been like, I love this. This is like my favorite book, my favorite, which happens a lot. I mean, for Glow, we were like, we wanted to do that so badly. That's also a Netflix show. And we were sending them like Glow memes and like all kinds of stuff. Like we're the right people. It's like girl power. We could do this. And like, we wanted it so bad. And so um, really had to like, you know, pitch for it, but we got it. 
So it can happen both ways. And then usually what will happen is they will send over a script or whatever materials they have available and we'll read the material and we'll write some, we'll write up a proposal of ideas that we think would be really great, you know, to take a look at depending on, on, on the project. So, you know, for glow, definitely like hair and makeup would be like a really fun, you know, and costume and all of that. And yeah. also like the training and like the girl power and like, there was a whole story there. I mean, that entire cast, I've never seen a cast that close. And, you know, just from the top down, um, there were so many women working on the show, which I had never seen before. Directors, producers, writers, and, you know, the showrunners really, um, you know, made it a point to be inclusive and, that kind of thing was amazing. And there was a whole story there for, you know, the actresses as well, who had never had certain opportunities to just sort of play these kind of roles and be sort of, as they would say, like ugly in a way, like, you know, yeah. be able to scream and stick your tongue out and like do all of this stuff, which there is a piece out there somewhere where one of the actresses was talking about, like, you know, previously it had always been a situation where, you know, they would say, can you cry, but make sure it's pretty, you know? And this was the first time that they were like, no, be you, like get into it, you know? And so I think it was like really empowering for them. So, you know, depending on the subject matter, I think like we'll send over a list and then the studio will choose things based on what their internal marketing department has decided mm -hmm. the direction that they want to go in and do you, do you propose a budget or do they often give you a budget or is it both? It could happen either way. Yeah. Like sometimes people will call and say like, you know, we have X amount, like, what do you think you could do for this? And then sometimes we'll send over materials and they'll say, you know, like, we love these four or five things, you know, can you send us over a budget? Yeah. So for something like the old guard, what, what did you do? Like what were, what were some things generated in those initial meetings of like what kind of content we can provide essentially? Old guard was tricky because it, it our executive actually left midway. Like she went mm. over to the studio. So we did a lot of the training footage and stuff. Yeah. They released a lot on um, training with the women. Which and Charlize Theron does so much of it. It's amazing. She really does. And they were like all in. So, and it was just very interesting to hear from like the stunt team and the trainers and like all the people involved. And I mean, and, and that was when they were in Los Angeles and then it went over to Europe. Right. Yeah. In Europe, they had other teams of people like local teams shooting the behind the scenes there. Wow. Nice. And so do you essentially ask or provide, at least in, when it was in L.A., provide the people to shoot all that stuff? Or is it like this is what we're looking for and then you take that content and, and figure out what to do with it or edit it? Yeah. So I think um, we'll, we'll work with the studios and they'll like arrange for, for us to be on set certain right. days, shoot certain things and to set up interviews and do those kinds of things. And do you always sort of get attach yourself to a project most of the time before it even films? Is that like a normal thing? Yeah. It, it helps because then you could, you know, go into it knowing what content you want to get as opposed to just working with what's already been. 
it's always before it films, but usually like in pre-production is when they bring on the marketing teams. Great. And how has like, I mean, we kind of mentioned it before, but like, you know, the emphasis on Instagram and now TikTok, how has that changed everything in terms of the content you guys put together? You know, (laughs) each outlet, you know, has a different storytelling Different demo too. A different demo and and we tell the stories differently depending on where it's going to be. If it's Facebook, you know, it's slower, it's less cutty. If it's Instagram, it's much cuttier. It's like, you know, and, and and the story is, I wouldn't say fragmented, but it's a little more sound bitey. You know, home entertainment is obviously more doc style and, you know, TikTok is like, like we said, 15 seconds to a minute. I mean, it's so quick, really quick. And so I think it's changed a lot. And I, I actually think it's changed our industry a lot because in a way, I, I do believe it, it has opened up this part of the industry for more individual, smaller companies becoming like filmmaker types, you know, that are like shooters and editors and that, that kind of thing, which is really good in a way, you know, so many people can shoot and they also do a lot, a lot of crossovers with influencers and things like that. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So I have a couple like almost like speed round type questions, though they might go a little longer, but um, who are your mentors or who was a mentor of yours? Either someone you know, you've never met or someone in person that helped you along the way? What comes to mind when you think mentor? Before I even got into the industry, I had really followed Brian Grazer's career as a producer. Really interesting producer. And I love the way that he looks at material and his curiosity. He's very inspired, you know, by the material that he finds. And it comes out of this curiosity for life and for, you know, people and what people are doing. So I really always followed his career. Have you met him yet? I haven't met him yet, but when I worked on 24 in the later, later years, we did like an eight minute scripted movie that was for home entertainment. And it was written by one of the assistants on the show, Mm -hmm. assistant writer. And we produced it. It was union and everything. It was like our first, you know, scripted piece. And because he's an EP on that show, you know, the script came out and it was like under like producers, it was his name and my name. And I was like, oh my God, I'm getting close. Yes. Yes. It's just going to, it's going to get closer. And one day you're going to meet him and it's going to be such a highlight. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure he never saw that. But yeah, so I, I really loved him. And then, you know, I worked a lot in television and I worked, you know, on Homeland and Madam Secretary, Madam Secretary and a lot of like amazing shows. And I would say Howard Gordon and Alex Ganza, who are the showrunners on Homeland, the creators, I would say I have like really watched the way they work and I consider them like mentors in a way because I, I just think they're they're phenomenal and I mean all, all of the writers on that show actually and the entire cast and crew is amazing. Incredible. But I really think like you know it comes from the top down, and so I would say them for sure. I like them too. I've never met them, but I appreciate my role on Homeland, my small one that they must have approved in some way. So I, I also love them. 
and I don't know them. What season of Homeland were you on again? Oh, man, I think it was called Sock Puppets. It was about like, you know, the fake profiles, the fake social media profiles. I believe either six or seven. I always forget which one. I think it was like either episode seven of season six or something like that. Like I always forget. On Madam Secretary, I have to ask, did you ever interact with like the producers on that show often? So David Gray was like right after Barbara Hall, but he was also a mentor on this podcast. Um, So I figured I'd ask. I didn't hang out with him that much, but we did interview him a couple of times. Oh, so great, right? Easy to interview. Barbara Hall is amazing too. That whole team is also incredible. His mentor was Barbara Hall. Yeah, she's really, really amazing. I mean, I've been very lucky to be on, you know, and also like Family Guy and American Dad, like those, a lot of the people, I, you know, those shows have been on forever since my first job and working on them. A lot of those people I consider family. They're really good friends of mine um, that still work on that show. It's one thing I kind of, I love about our industry. It kind of feels like summer camp in a way. (laughs) Yes. You're like in the trenches together with people in the middle of the night shooting. And, you know, you really form these bonds. Yeah. You connect in a different way that you can't do maybe at a nine to five, I feel like. Right. Once you're once you're in those trenches, I mean, I I once heard a couple of filmmakers talk about like they were a couple and they were working together on a film. They're like, once you do that, you can get through so much. Like if you do a film together, all those night shoots, they're like, baby, check like this. We can we can check that off. It's so much harder to be on a film. That's what they said anyway. But I I imagine, you know, to an extent that might be true. It's, It's a different experience, a different connection, I think, when you're in the trenches, like you said. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You know, the other thing is Lauren Schuler Donner, actually, she's a producer. She's a big producer. And I had really always followed her career and I did get a chance to meet her at a charity event. How was that? It was, I actually started to cry. It was oh, really embarrassing. No, I'm sure that's so great. I had a meeting with her and In the meeting, she told me two things which were absolutely true and I carried with me through my whole career. And the first was that, you know, when you start out in the industry, all the people that you are assistants with also move up as you move up. Yes. So, you know, as you guys are going through your careers together, you'll be able to call them. They'll be executives at studios and agents and managers and you know, you kind of have this team that you came up with and it's true. And when you get to a certain point and this starts to happen, it's, it's kind of fun, you know, because, um, you can call for advice or, you know, it's just, everybody kind of helps each other. And, um, she was really right about that. And the second thing she told me about producing is that your greatest currency as a producer is material. So really like, think about the material that you want to put out into the world and you really have to love it because you're going to be with it for a very long time. Yeah. And if you get, if you have access to or find great material and you attach yourself, it's, you know, it's, it's a great way in. Love it. It's great advice. Great advice right at the beginning. And what's your definition of success? I think, you know, I think my definition of success has changed over the years. And now my definition of success, I would say, is happiness. First of all, 
I ask this question now. This is a new question I'm asking on season two. And I'm doing it because I'm changing my definition of success. So it's like a selfish question that I ask. And I love that answer. It like makes me really happy to hear that that's your definition of success. It has changed, definitely. But, I, but you know, if you're not enjoying it, and if you're so exhausted, and you're mm-hmm. so beaten down, and it's not fun anymore, then it's not worth it. It's just not. Sorry, I'm letting that sit with me. <laughs> and then lastly, and we're kind of sort of this is the last question here, but and something you've definitely answered to a certain extent, but any advice you would give to younger creatives, producer, producers, future producers, filmmakers that, you know, either you wish you knew when you were younger or just people who want to get to where you are right now? Well, I would say keep going and don't stop. Yeah. You know, you're going to get 99 no's, but you just need one yes you know, sometimes you get a no and it's not like a rejection to you. It's just that maybe this material or this project isn't exactly right for that studio, but it doesn't mean it's not still great for somewhere else, you know, just like believe in yourself and keep going. I think I read somewhere that the Queen's Gambit took like 18 years, something crazy to make like this guy just kept trying to get it made and couldn't get it made. I did. I read somewhere that he, he got the the feedback that no one's going to care that much about chess or something to do with that. Now, like the game of chess, like chess boards are sold out everywhere. I've looked. I've looked for chess boards. I can attest to that. And he just kept going, you know, and so you really you, you have to be resilient. Yeah. And it's not personal. It's not personal and exactly, it's not personal. Just believe in yourself and believe in the work that you want to put forward and just be creative in, in, in the way that you are trying to move forward. You know, if you can't get a meeting with this person, can you get a meeting with their assistant? Can you get a meeting with, you know, can you send memes to the company and put yourself (laughs) for glow? It's amazing. I love that. We wanted to be glow girls. Yeah. And listen, it worked. It was the right, it was the right fit. All right. I mean, that's really it. Thank you so much. This has been above and beyond what I I hoped it would be. That's just such a wealth of information. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you so much for listening to Mentors on the Mic. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend in entertainment you know would love it. Let me know what you've learned or what stayed with you on our Instagram at Mentors on the Mic. I love reading your messages. Uh, you can also find me at, at Michelle Simone Miller on Instagram. On both accounts, I'll be sharing even more information about our mentors. Talk to someone about what you learned today who would really appreciate it and send them the episode. Also, if you love the show, please go ahead and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really makes a huge difference in growing this. It makes it easier for people to find our podcast, and I love reading your reviews. So thank you so much, and I'll see you next week.